welcome to A Feminist in Progress, the podcast that vows to stand by you till death do us part. I'm your host, Price, and in this episode, we're revisiting an essay from last season's book series. Now that I'm actually getting married, I decided to revisit Gia Tolentino's I, The Dread Essay from her anthology Trick Mirror Reflections on Self-Delusion. As I mentioned in the intro, this isn't the first time I'm talking about this essay. But now that I'm actually about to get married, I thought about this essay because I found myself almost, almost, falling into a rabbit hole that would have had me contradicting everything I said in that first episode. See, in that episode, I said I wanted a low-key wedding celebration with no more than 20 guests and casual vibes and attire. Maybe not too casual, but casual enough to not seem like we broke bank just for this one day. I found myself revisiting this essay after I felt overwhelmed by an article that I read in Bride and Breakfast, which is a wedding resource blog based here in the Philippines. I first heard about the blog when I saw that it featured a former colleague's wedding where she integrated some of her DIY crafts into her wedding. I looked at one of the site's articles titled, Make Wedding Planning Easier with This Detailed Wedding Timeline! Exclamation point! It was straightforward content, I'll admit, and it contained a timeline that proved to me that capitalism indeed plays a huge role in weddings. So, let's all dive into this rabbit hole, shall we? According to this article, the following must be done 10 to 12 months before the wedding. So you set the budget, draft a guest list, select a bridal party, Throw an engagement party. Wow, those are already two parties. You find and book venues. Okay. You decide and book a wedding planner. Right. Register for gifts. You start researching on other wedding vendors. Hmm. Then you brainstorm for a wedding style. Right. 10 to 12 months. Right. Then, eight to nine months before the wedding, you get these done. You choose a dress or dress designer. You hire a photographer and or videographer. All right. Select a date for an engagement shoot. Okay. Ooh, establish a fitness and beauty routine. Did I mention that the blog only focuses on the bride? I mean, it's already in the name, Bride and Breakfast. Okay. You also do, or you go on food tastings. You decide on the celebrant or officiant. Okay. You book the entertainment. Book a florist. Make a wedding website. Contact rental companies. So, for example, those in charge of tables and chairs, lights, sounds. Okay, and then you begin hair and makeup trials. Wait, there's more. Six to seven months before the wedding, you have to get these done. 
So you choose and order wedding stationery. You decide on and order the bridesmaids and flower girls' dresses. You buy wedding bands. Order the wedding cake. Book lights, sounds, tables, and chairs. So this one is booking. A while ago, it was contacting. You plan the honeymoon. You remind the entourage about the pre-wedding activities, whether that's related to a shower, a bachelor, and bachelorette party. Almost there! Now, four to five months before the wedding, these are the things you're supposedly focused on. And there's a lot. So you decide and order the groomsmen and bearers' outfits. Book hair and makeup artists. Buy wedding shoes. Pick and shop for wedding jewelry. Choose and buy wedding favors. Secure transportation. Draft a reception program and flow. Decide on the readings. I I guess this is for religious ceremonies. You plan your wedding rehearsal dinner. Another party. You book the rehearsal dinner venue. You finalize the menu with the caterer. And you procure all the required legal documents. (sighs) And then two to three months before the big day, get these done. Damn. Send out invitations. Submit but baptismal and conversion. Wait, submit baptismal and confirmation certificates to the church. Oh. Submit marriage license to the church. Attend a canonical interview. And here's your friendly reminder that the Philippines is still predominantly Catholic and Christian. <laughs> You attend as well a pre-marriage or pre-cana seminar. Feel free to fact check me on this one. I think it's legally required to go through like a pre-marriage seminar here in the Philippines regardless if it's a church wedding or a civil wedding. I'm not sure. You choose and buy the entourage and your partner's gifts. Oh gosh. You order the flowers. Buy the booze. Select the music. Purchased a guest book. Print the rest of the stationery. So that includes menus, name cards, miscellets, misal. Ah, oh yeah, so those miscellets, those things that are included in the mass, I suppose, if you're choosing to go the religious route. You plan and practice the first dance. Create an event schedule for the vendors. And then a month before the wedding, Oh my god, it's almost time. Get these done. So you follow up on the guest's RSVP. Create a wedding day timeline. Draft the sitting plan. Finalize the ceremony and reception details. Confirm details with all vendors. Write thank you speech. Write vows. Break in wedding shoes. Oh yeah, because you gotta be comfortable. Um, You also gotta pick out post-wedding attire complete any wedding diy or craft projects Mm -hmm. arrange final payments that's a lot of money begin writing thank you notes all right so a few writing look up requirements for changing last name a topic which i'll get into in another episode then two to three weeks before the big day these are the things to accomplish so maybe have your hair trimmed and colored again targeted to the bride get a facial gotta look beautiful perfect follow up on the guests rsvp don't let them know you're stressed out and then a week before you get married be sure to accomplish these 
go to confession again religion playing a role etc etc you finalize the seating chart get a wax manicure and pedicure your brows done and the massage you pick up or buy last minute items finalize transportation send the final headcount to all vendors wrap gifts steam or press wedding garments prepare payment and tips pack the wedding bag and emergency kits finally rest i'm not gonna lie reading this article was overwhelming then i reread the list again almost through a scholarly lens more specifically a feminist lens now i'm not going to say that it's unfeminist if you're a woman who plans her wedding following the aforementioned list do what you will with your wedding what is unfeminist is forcing a woman to conform to the aforementioned or shaming her if she doesn't want to do the above mentioned see the list exemplifies the wedding industry it implies that the moment two people agree to marry each other they have to open their wallets apparently a year before the ceremony itself to celebrate their union in front of their closest friends and family what is even left unsaid is that when it comes to the preparation for an event in a heterosexual couple it is the bride-to-be who will invest the most energy in this process. I mean, go back to the aforementioned list and pick out which of those were specific to the bride-to-be. I bet it was most of them. See, the modern wedding industry tells the couple that they have to focus on not just the wedding ceremony itself, a lot of those things were mentioned in the timeline, such as preparing for an engagement party, pre-wedding activities like bachelor and bachelorette parties, and wedding rehearsals. All of this, Gia Tolentino says in her essay after she herself lists a series of must-dos, is conducted in the spirit of fun, but in the name of tradition. The essay lists some traditions from centuries ago to support the idea that weddings, quote, were entirely homemade productions, brief and simple ceremonies conducted in private. I suppose this is why I am drawn to keeping my wedding intimate. I seek no ceremony in a church, an institution that has long been patriarchal and ingrained in women to take on subordination. Besides, my fiancé and I do not identify as religious people. We're also drawn to keeping our wedding intimate because it is not in our personality to be extravagant or be around many people. We're not necessarily social butterflies who enjoy partying. What could be spent on the wedding ceremony could instead be spent on our marriage. Keeping a roof over our heads, traveling, or saving them for emergency things don't get me wrong though i'm not scoffing at those who want to throw big parties in fact if i were invited to one i would have the time of my life i suppose i would probably enjoy myself 
but I think we don't talk enough about the class privilege that comes with being able to throw a grand wedding. We don't acknowledge enough how the consumer marketplace turned weddings into a staging ground for the upper class lifestyle. For a day, you could purchase this lifestyle, even if you weren't upper class. Just to give you an example, I started looking at um, rates for um, photographers for our micro intimate wedding. And one of the photographers who responded to one of my queries gave me their rate and the minimum for their package deals. And this is just them documenting the wedding day itself so it's just you know plain photos it was 70,000 pesos so 70,000 pesos that's more or less 1500 grand and that is a lot and it was one of those like first realizations i had of like oh the wedding industry really has led us to believe that the things we do for a wedding, whether it's having an engagement photo shoot, wearing expensive rings, wearing a lavish white dress, they're all done in the name of tradition. The more I think about it, I realize that I'm more excited about getting to spend the rest of my life with my partner than I am with the wedding ceremony itself. Sure, you know, I... I am excited about the ceremony, the party, and sure, I think about having my closest friends and family around to celebrate us. I think about little ways we can make the celebration unique and personal to us. But I also think more about, you know, my partner and I waking up and falling asleep next to each other instead of doing so in different time zones. I think about us spending dinner together, catching up on our day, planning our lives, and not doing so over the screen. I think about going on grocery runs where we take our time going through each aisle. I think about us making a home of whatever space that is ours. I think about going through hardships and challenges and getting through them together. I think about road trips. I I think about watching sunsets on the beach. I think about morning coffee dates. I think about stillness. I think about learning, unlearning, relearning. I think about growing together as individuals and as a couple. I think about the wins and losses and trying again. I think about us becoming different versions of ourselves and us working on continuing to love each other even if we are no longer the same people as we are when we first met each other. I think about us going through the immigration process and succeeding. I think about how tough that would be how much time, effort, energy, patience that the process is going to take and how 
I'm rooting for us to get through it. And I know we will get through it. I think about us finally being in the same place together. Rather than me getting excited just for one day. So yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking about for in terms for us. And I'll keep you posted on the journey. So when I think about what I have with my partner, I think about these lyrics from Taylor Swift's Daylight. I once believed love would be burning red, but it's golden, like daylight. Thank you for joining me in this episode of A Feminist in Progress. This podcast is independently produced with no ads or sponsors. So, if you find value in what I do and want to support the show, you can do this by giving a donation via the information that are left in the episode description. Until then, remember that it's about progress, not perfection. Perfection.